Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Books by Old Dead Guys podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm David. And we are super glad that you're listening today. We have been reading through Richard Baxter's book, The Reformed Pastor. Uh, and the whole reason that we're doing this podcast, the reason that we're reading this book, is we want to re- recover, restore the idea of ruminating over something, spending time really reading a page or two and then thinking about what you read. You know, a book is not a thing to be conquered. And, and I think in reading, we can sometimes miss that. We can, we can feel, particularly as pastors, right? Like we love having big libraries and, and, uh, and it's almost like the Pharisees' phylacteries. Like we like for people to see how many books we have and, and talk about how many books we've read. But the real issue is how the books that you've read affected you, how they changed you. And so if you spend, you know, if we spend a year, two years, five years, whatever, reading a book, but it's changed us, then it's, it's been a worthwhile pursuit mm-hmm. of, of reading it. And so what we wanted to do with this was really help people to see the value of, and, and sometimes really how to do uh, this work of reading something slowly mm-hmm. and then talking about it, you know, read it with a person, read it with someone else, talk about it together, kind of share. It's a great way if you're thinking in terms of discipleship, which I hope if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance uh, you're a member of the church that we pastor, and we would love nothing more than for you to be thinking about how to disciple other people. Amen. And if we can model that in terms of pick a book and just read a few pages and talk about it, then let's do it. And so that's really our motive for doing this. So we appreciate you listening, but just to be completely honest with you, if there's no one listening to this, we're probably still going to do it just because we really enjoy doing it. Yeah. So, so we are on chapter two this week, right? Chapter two, starting in section three. Yeah, that's so, right. That's right. And also, just want to add. No, go ahead. The you know we also want to highlight the 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 benefit of reading old stuff. Mm, yes. Yes. You know, that, that today it's so tempting. It's so so tempting. To just get caught up in so much new, because new stuff is coming out all the time. Mm. There is not a day that goes by that like eighty-five new podcasts are put right. on whatever whatever you're listening to this on. Yep. And there's not a day that goes by that more books are not being published, more articles are not being put online, blogs are starting, and and so much is happening, and so much new stuff is happening. Yeah. And man, some of that new stuff is really great. Some yep. of it is in t- is very very worthwhile. Yep. Some of it is not. Right. Well, <laughs> some of it is definitely not. Yes. But there are some there are some works that have stood the test of time. Yep. That have been proven over generation uh, generation to have been fruitful and helpful. And man, those those works need to be celebrated. Yes. They absolutely. should be held dear. And, and as an aside, I mean, they, they are. They're, they're timeless. They've, they've lasted a long time, contain lots of truth in them. Another nice byproduct is, especially, I'm thinking about connecting this to what we talked about last uh, podcast. Last podcast, we kind of ended on this note of we're, we're sinful, fickle people. And, and we talked through the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, that those who persevere to the end will be saved. We can have far greater confidence in men like Baxter or Packer yes. or Sproul or, um, or uh, Thomas Watson, or any of these men, because they've already run their race. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're not going to get on Twitter tomorrow and hear that Richard Baxter was involved in some sort of horrible, grievous sin that he did yesterday because he's been dead for like 100 to 200 years, maybe longer. I don't even know the date on the book. That's, yeah. that's terrible. But he's, but he's been dead a long time. 
And so, so there's something to these men who have fought the good fight. They have finished the race. And to read what they have to say is profitable for us. Because to be completely honest with you, that's kind of what we want to be. Like when we leave this world, you know, if the Lord allows us a long period of service at this church, we want the next generation and the next generation and the next generation to talk about how we were found faithful. But I don't think you can do that if you're not spending time reading from other generations that have been found faithful. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's a long way of introducing everything else that we're getting ready to say. Yeah, pretty but, much. But David, I need you to tell me why. Why is it that we should continue to exercise oversight of our soul? Well, uh, Baxter has some things to say about that. Good. Well, let's see so what he says. In, in his third point, he says, Take heed to yourselves, because the tempter will more ply you with his temptation than any other men. Mm. If you will be the leaders against the prince of darkness, he will spare you no further than God restraineth him. He beareth the greatest malice to those that are engaged to do him the greatest mischief. As he hateth Christ more than any of us, because he is the general of the field, the captain of our salvation, and doth more than all the world besides against his kingdom, so doth he hate the leaders under him, more than the common soldiers. He knows what a rout he may make amongst them. If the leaders fall before their eyes, he hath long tried that way of fighting neither against great nor small comparatively, but of smiting the shepherds, that he may scatter the flock. And so great hath been his success this way, that he will continue to follow it as far as he is able. Take heed, therefore, brethren, for the enemy hath a special eye upon you. You shall have his most subtle insuasions and incessant solicitations and violent assaults as wise and learned as you are take heed to yourselves lest he outwit you the devil is a greater scholar than you and a nimbler disputant he can transform himself into an angel of light to deceive he will get within you and trip up your heels before you are aware he will play the juggler with your undiscerned and cheat you of your faith or innocency and you shall not know that you have lost it nay he will make you believe it is multiplied or increased when it is lost you shall neither hook you shall see neither hook nor line much less the subtle angler himself he while he is offering you his bait and his bait shall be so fitted to your temper and disposition that he will be sure to find advantages within you and make your own principles and inclinations betray you. And whenever he ruineth you, he will make you the instruments of ruin to others. Oh, what a conquest we, we think he hath got if he can make a minister lazy and unfaithful. If he can tempt a minister into covetousness or scandal, he will glory against the church and say, These are your holy preachers, 
see what their preciseness is and whither it brings them, he will glory against Jesus Christ himself and say, These are thy champions. I can make thy chiefest servants abuse thee. I can make the stewards of thy house unfaithful. If he did so insult God upon a false surmise and tell him he could make Job curse him to his face, what will he do if he should prevail against you? And at last he will insult as much over you that he could draw you to be false to your great trust and to blemish your holy profession and to do so much service to him that was your enemy. Oh, do not so far gratify Satan. Do not make him so much sport. Suffer him not to use you as the Philistines did Samson. First to deprive you of your strength and then to put out your eyes and so to make you the matter of his triumph and derision. Holy mackerel. So that's that's scary stuff right it, there. It is. And it's 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 helpful to know your enemy, right? Mm-hmm. Like and, and and really what he's saying is, why should you take heed to your salt? Why should you execute oversight over you? I mean the short version is because the enemy sure is. The enemy sure is. The enemy's watching is. you, but he ain't watching you for the same reasons. He's not watching us as leaders so that we might escape temptation. He's watching us as leaders so that we might fall into it. Mm. And understanding the nature of that, right? That that he, you know, the way he walks through the, the idea of as he hateth Christ more than any of us, because he is the general of the field, the captain of our salvation, and doth more than all the world besides against his kingdom. So doth he hate the leaders under him more than the common soldiers. He knows what a route he may make among them if the leaders fall before their eyes. Man, we've seen this, right? This plays out on a consistent basis on the world stage where men give in to temptation, where they fall prey because they don't exercise oversight over their own souls, because they don't come to a a biblical understanding of their own weaknesses and and they don't surround themselves with men who might hold them accountable. And you know, and and in this era in the, with the advent of the internet, mm-hmm. that has never been easier to do. Amen. It has never been. It's not that it. it, it I, I think it might be more prominent at least when in a particular type of temptation, and it's so easy to to do. Mm-hmm. And and so because it is, men just by the thousands fall in and fall prey, and Satan loves nothing more than to do so. I love that he made. I, it's funny. I was thinking to myself as he was walking through this. The, the comparison to Job, how if he would do this with Job, you know, he's going to do this with you. If he would look at, you know, look at God and say, well, of course, you know, of course David's going to walk with you. He's got everything. You know, let's make, make life hard for him and see what happens. And, and in the counsel of the will of God, those conversations take place, and we don't know that they're talking about us. We don't know that those conversations are taking place for, you know, concerning us, but we do know that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. And we do know that that he will absolutely use the wickedness in our own hearts that is left unchecked. Mm. 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 Yeah, reading that section, uh, talking about Satan just 
glorying over those oh, yeah. who, who fall. Because you can hear it, right? Like the way he does it. Yeah. You know, you know, these, these are your holy preachers. Yeah. You know, see what their preciseness is and what it brings them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so I uh, peek behind the curtain here. I, this is my first reading of Reformed Pastor. Scott's read it multiple times before, uh, at least right? at least twice at yeah, least I twice don't know if it's more than twice but yeah and so just to read that through the first time and think oh my gosh like i have caused this mm-hmm. like i have yeah something that i have done has given the enemy the opportunity to say these things to christ yeah like yeah. that's oh that's that's scary stuff the idea that i could do it again that, yeah. that one day, right. yeah, if I am not careful, I could give the enemy opportunity to glory against mm. Christ. Mm. And that is why, you know, if you're listening to this, we've said before, it's a good chance you, you're a member of the church that we pastor. Man, I don't know that I could beg you more than I'm begging you now to pray for us. Yes, please. Right? Like, this is why you pray for your pastor. If you're listening to this and you're a member of another church, here's what I want you to do. Pray for your pastor. It'd be awfully cool if you pray for us, too. We would really, really appreciate that. <laughs> We're not opposed to that. No, not at all. We can use all the prayers we could get. But this is, it's why. It's one of the things that I love that you do, David, in the pastoral prayers. Um, we stop in the middle of our service and pray. Pastoral prayer, kind of walking through topics. But as we pray, one of the things we've been, we've been able and blessed to do here is pray for different churches in our association. And as David prays for uh, the church, he prays for the church's pastor. And almost without fail... Every single week, he prays for the pastor and for his family and for him to be protected from the attacks of the evil one. And, and we do that, number one, because we mean it, and we as pastors ought to be praying for one another. But number two, we do that to model it, because that's not only what we're praying for them, that's what we're really hoping, that you're praying for us as well. Because we can't do this work uh, without the prayers of the saints. We, yes. will, we will not survive. And so it's just a helpful time to stop and go, okay... This ought to motivate, and again, why, why should the layperson read a book called The Reformed Pastor? It at least gives you a window into what pastoral ministry is or, or ought to be and how very important it is for us to be supported by the church. And supported by the church can be some things like getting a pat on the back. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, Mark Twain said, I can live for seven years off of a well-timed compliment. Like, I, I, I get that. Encouragement is definitely it's needed. Awesome. But you know what? We just need to know that there are people that are praying for us as well, yes. you know, to, that are intentionally daily getting up and saying, Lord, protect these men um, because we, we take on the role willingly, understanding this, what's at stake and what's happening in the unseen realm. Uh, but we don't, we can't do it alone. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, just, a, just a quick segue. Pray for your pastor, mm-hmm. and this is why. Go back and read that again if you'd like, and you get a, a, just like it's like peeling back the window of spiritual warfare. So, yeah, that was great. Wow. Yeah. All right, you want to hit one more? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this is section four. Take heed to yourselves, because there are many eyes upon you, hmm. and there will be many to observe your falls. You cannot miscarry, but the world will ring of it. The eclipses of the sun by day are seldom without witnesses. Mm. As you take yourselves for the lights of the churches, you may expect that men's eyes will be upon you. 
If other men may sin without observation, so cannot you. And you should thankfully consider how great a mercy this is, that you have so many eyes to watch over you and so many ready to tell you of your faults and thus have greater helps than others, at least for restraining you from sin. Though they may do it with a malicious mind, yet you have the advantage of it. God forbid that we should prove so impudent, impudent as to do evil in the public view of all and to sin willfully while the world is gazing upon us. They that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Why consider that you are Ever in the open light, even the light of your own doctrine will expose your evil doings. While you are as lights set upon a hill, think not to lie hid. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves, and do your work as those that remember that the world looks on them, and that with the quick-sighted eye of malice, ready to make the worst of all, to find the smallest fault where it is, to aggravate it where they find it, to divulge it and to take advantage of it to their own designs and to make faults where they cannot find them. How cautiously then should we walk before so many ill-minded observers? Mm. Wow. Okay, so... You know, for sake of transparency, I can't do anything without being transparent about stuff like this. You know, I'm just a few weeks away uh, from literally having sinned against the church and having to stand up and uh, and publicly ask for forgiveness. It wasn't a disqualifying sin. It wasn't something like that. But it was. But it was sin. And and to have to ask the church for forgiveness. And I'll. They're, they're, that's a difficult thing. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think that in the moment I did what Baxter said where he said, we should thankfully consider how great a mercy this is, that you have so many eyes to watch over you, and so many ready to test you of your faults. That is hard to be thankful for, brother. <laughs> I was not what I was thinking hard in that moment. Hard to be thankful for. I wasn't for. angry, but, but boy, it's hard. I, I, but, but what a great perspective, right? Like, you, you, we lament the fishbowl, right? We mm -hmm. lament the fact that we, we live our lives and people hold us to a higher standard, and yet that is quite literally what you are signing on for, mm -hmm. right, is to, to be held to a higher standard. Because if people can't watch our life and doctrine, and from watching our life and doctrine know how to live the Christian life, well, then who are they to watch? Yeah. You know, and so when things don't seem right, and look, there will be many who will take advantage of that yeah. and be unkind. I mean, Baxter you know, makes reference to that. There are some that do it with a malicious mind. Yeah. But he said he still says, "Yet you have the advantage, you have the advantage of it." Yeah, yeah, that's that right. Even those that come against you, wanting, wanting to find some little thing in you that they can exploit and and turn against you, even those folks, right, are used to your advantage. And and this is not an unfamiliar concept, right? Let me think of Joseph. Yeah. What does Joseph say to his brothers in, in Genesis? You meant it for evil. God meant it for good, yeah. but truly, that, and I've seen that work itself out in ministry mm -hmm. where someone had, had comes at you 
with an adversarial sort of mindset of, of pointing the finger or alienating you or isolating you or whatever. And it just, and it goes, as, as long as it is met with humility and contrition, it just goes the other way. Mm. You know, it ends up being a, a means by which, like I truly have never felt more loved by the church um, than the moment that followed me standing behind that pulpit and, and publicly repenting of sin. You know, to know, I mean, these, these, they, see, they see my faults. It's not that people don't see your faults, you know. Um, and they should. But at the same time, this church at least is willing to receive me and, and love me through that. And in many ways, it deepened the respect that they have for their pastors when pastors are willing to say, hey, I sinned. Yeah. <laughs> this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't do this. Don't, don't do this. Okay. All right. So I said I was going to make a noise. So I am. Ding. Now it's time for the Puritan word of the day. The Puritan word of the day is impudent. 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 What does impudent mean, Scott? Impudent means marked by contemptuous or cocky boldness or disregard for others. Insolent. Mm. Mm. Impudent. At some point, we're going to do that section without laughing at each other but Ding. that's not yeah. that's that's Curtain not today word of the day uh, you gotta laugh that's that's, that's good so but yeah you know, what makes the puritan so hard to read is these words that we don't yeah, know nobody so just so you know when we hit these words that we don't know we're just looking them up in google yeah like you know i'll stop and go wait a minute you know context does help for uh -huh. sure like i got that that was negative and ironically so far, it feels like all of the words that, that, that I don't, we don't know how to define that I have been decidedly <laughs> negative words. Uh, so if you want new ways to, you know, <laughs> Look, be careful here, Scott. Yeah, let me stop. <laughs> let me stop. If you want, if you want new and clever ways to uh, to describe your own sinfulness. Mm, mm, there you go. There, you you turned was, it around. Totally what I was going to say. You turned it around. I got. And that's what you should do. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Two sections. That's a, that's a, that's that's a good place to yeah, stop. that's sufficient. Great. Man, thank you guys for listening. We hope this is a blessing to you. It's, it's a lot of fun for us. It's a blessing for us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye.